We're going to uh, talk tonight. I want to ask you a question. What are you building on? And I want to answer that question. And y'all saying a while ago about the rock. <laughs> Build upon the rock. Build upon the rock. Let's pray over this word. Bow, bow your heads, please. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you tonight. We thank you for your love and your blessings. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your word. God, we pray for your anointing upon this word, your anointing upon your vessel. Lord, to bring forth the word that you want us to hear, Lord, and on our ears to hear and our hearts to receive directly from your Holy Spirit tonight, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise. Amen. We're going to build upon the rock. We want to start out reading a scripture in the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew chapter 7, a uh, couple of verses there, uh, 24 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And this was Jesus speaking. He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man, wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and did beat upon that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it <laughs> fell, and great was the fall. Amen. I want to ask you tonight, what are you building upon? What are you building your life on? What are you building your families on, your marriage on? What are we building our church on? My dad was a builder. And I grew up from small out with him working. And I can tell you this, when you start a building, the first thing you got to work on is the foundation. Because what you build on is more important than anything else about that building. Because if you don't have a good foundation then that building will not stand. You can build the most beautiful, nice building without a foundation. It will fall. Yeah, how many of y'all like to go to the beach? Anybody here like to go to the beach? <laughs> and you go to the beach and you see those big houses, those big condos, all this nice stuff built right there on the sand, right? But do you know how they built Years ago, they just built it right there on the sand. And every time a storm comes, they got washed away, right? So how do they build them today? A lot of times there's more down than you see out, right? Because they dig down till they can find rock. Or if there's not, they're going to dig down far enough to pour enough concrete to make something solid and something stable to build upon. Because if they build those big buildings or any of those big nice houses on that sand, it's going to wash away when the storms come. And let me tell you this. I can promise you that in this life the storms are going to come. The storms are going to come. That's a fact. See, Jesus told us here of two people. He calls one wise and one foolish who built upon the rock and upon the sand. And Jesus does not go on to say, and the storms didn't come to the wise man and the storms came to the foolish man, did he say? He said, the storms came and beat up on both houses. He said, the wind came and the rain came. And I can promise you, that the storms are going to come. I can promise you that the wind is going to blow. I can promise you that the rain is going to fall, that floods are going to come. That's a fact. I'm not saying that to get you down or anything. I'm saying that to tell you the truth. Storms are going to come. If you live in this life, storms are going to come. 
The proverb says that a man born of a woman, his days are full of trouble. I think every one of us here is born of a woman, right? I don't think there's any other way to be born. So that says that trouble is going to come to every human being in this world, in this life, right? So we got to be prepared. We got to be ready for the storm. So we got to be ready for the storms of life that are going to come against us. And the only way is to be like this wise man is to build upon the rock. Because that's a guaranteed fact. If we don't get down there and build on the rock, we will fail. That's a guarantee. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? I, the Son of Man, am. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, and some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Upon this rock, what was he talking about? He was not talking about Peter. Listen, the Catholic religion is built on the fact they take that scripture and say that Jesus founded the church on Peter and they say Peter was the first pope and they go on and on on Peter. And Jesus did call him Peter. Petra means rock. It does have a dual meaning. Peter was a leader in the church to begin with. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about this confession of faith. He said, upon this confession of faith, I will build my church. Upon the confession that I am the son of the living God. Upon that confession is what I'm going to build my church. Upon that rock. The rock being Jesus Christ. The rock being that we have the faith and belief in Jesus Christ. That we know who he is. And he told us some wonderful things there. He said, that when you build my church upon this rock, upon this belief, upon this confession, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail, and I will give you the keys, the keys of the kingdom. What does keys do? I got a ring in my power company truck about that big of keys. <laughs> you know what those keys do? They give me access. They give me authority. If you have a key and go up to the door, ain't nobody going to say, what are you doing here? If you opened it with a key and went in, everybody said, he must be supposed to be here, right? Yeah. It gives you access. It gives you authority. We have access to the kingdom of God. We have access. And we have authority. Jesus said that we could come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm sorry, Paul said it. I wrote it, but it's God. Uh, he said that we could come boldly before the throne of grace. What does that mean? Does that mean with pride? I think the translation boldly may, may, may confuse us a little bit. 
It does not mean with pride. He said we can come boldly before the throne of grace, making our request known. That boldly means that we can come with confidence because we know who our Heavenly Father is. He said He's given us the keys to the kingdom. We can come in and ask for what we have need of with confidence. Just like I can go to my earthly father and I don't have to wonder if I was in need and I had need of something, could I go to my father and Daddy, I know you, you really don't want to help me and I'm really not good enough to be your son, but you know, Daddy, I really have need here. I would never go to my earthly father like that. Why? Because I have confidence in my father that if I'm in need and he has the power to help me, he will. We have that same confidence. Because of this right here, he's given us these keys. We can go before the Father with confidence, knowing, Heavenly Father, this is your son, Wayne. Now, I know I haven't lived up to everything that I should, just like I could tell my earthly father. I know I haven't been everything you might have wanted me to be. But I promise you, my daddy still loves me. I'm still his son. And my Heavenly Father says He gives me that same confidence that I'm His Son and He loves me. And because I've built my life upon this rock, then I have that access. I have that confidence that I can go before my Father and ask for what I have need of. The gates of hell. Any of you ever feel like you're at the gates of hell sometime in your life? You're like, what am I going through? He said that it couldn't even stand against us. Do you feel like maybe your family's been taken and they've been locked in the gates of hell sometime? And you say, I want my family out of that. I want my children delivered from that. He said that they couldn't even prevail against us. When we stand on this belief, when we stand upon this rock, when we've got our lives founded upon this rock, he said the gates of hell cannot prevail. If there's something that's been taken captive that belongs to me, I can go and take it back. We can go and take it back because he said he gives us that authority. Whatever we bind on earth, whatever we loose on earth, binding and loosing. He said we have authority. Just like, who was it said about, what, the, what it says Brother Dr. K, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I say, Lord God, I know my, my desire is that my children be saved, my children be set free from the things they may be in. God, I know that's your will, so my will, your will's lined up now. I'm going to put it in your hands and I'm going to believe it's going to happen. You know, we can pray like that. When we have our lives built upon the rock, when we have trusted in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have this confidence. We can make that profession of faith. We can have that confidence. We can live in it. I want to go now to the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, chapter 6, and I want to look at a few verses. First of all, you know the story of Gideon that um, the children of Israel would, would get in trouble the whole book of Judges tells us about that. Children of Israel would get in trouble and, and they would cry out to God. They'd turn their back on God. Then they'd cry out to God and he'd send a deliverer. At this point in time, they were being uh, overtaken by the Midians, Midianite people. And um, the, this man Gideon, God wanted to use. 
in uh, verse 17, I just want to read a few, few verses right here, and I want to point out a couple of things I'm going to really point out, but I just want to read a few verses here to kind of get... get the, then he said to him, this was an angel of the Lord who was, who was talking to him here. He had come down to see him. <clears throat> if, it's Gideon talking to the angel here. He said, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray you, until I come back and bring an offering and set it before you. He said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. Then he put in a basket. He, brought, he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock. Once you look at those words, on this rock. And he said, pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put an end to the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock. And he consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophir of the Abyssalites. Now it came to pass the same night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the image that you shall cut down. <clears throat> you notice this rock. We pointed down there about four different times. <clears throat> the reason Israel is in trouble at this time was they had let sin come into their lives. Israel was God's chosen people. They were supposed to be built upon the rock. But they had turned aside. Gideon's own father, it says here, had images set up to Baal. So the first thing we see it was that when Gideon wanted to prove who, got, who this angel was, that it was an angel of the Lord, and he brought this, this food out that he prepared, he told him to place it upon this rock. Not just any rock, he said upon this rock. And when he did, he touched it and fire came out. So I'm going to tell you that it was not a natural rock because I don't think we could go out there and lay our food on a, fire, on a rock right now and fire would come out of it. This rock he's talking about was a rock of God. <laughs> I believe this rock represented Jesus Christ. He said, what you've done is sin. Now you're bringing your offering before Jesus Christ. You're going to lay it on this rock. And fire came and it consumed it. And then and later on we see here that he told him to take his father's young bull to tear down the altar. In other words, this thing that you've allowed to build up in your life that is ungodly, he said, I want you to tear it down. And he said, tonight, you're going to do this. You're going to take it and you're going to tear it down. And he said, it says that Gideon built an altar and he sacrificed on top of this rock. This same rock, I believe, that he laid the food upon. The same rock that he touched with his staff and the fire came out. He laid the bull, he laid the wood upon it, and he made an altar. What did he do there? He destroyed all of the sin that had come into the camp. When we need victory, 
we got to start looking for the sin in the camp a lot of times. When we know that something's coming in, we're going to say, okay, let's take the sin and let's take the things that we've allowed in our lives and let's lay them back out on the rock. Let's offer it back to him and say, God, I'm sorry. So what do we do at an altar? What is an altar? There's four things I want to tell you tonight that an altar is. An altar is a place of sacrifice. <clears throat> sacrifice is when we're giving up something, right? That's what sacrifice is, right? Now, when we read about a sacrifice that they did when they brought an animal, there was something precious to them that they brought and sacrificed. So we're giving to God of something of our own, and we're laying it on the altar. <clears throat> sacrifice, a lot of times, is really giving up something that we shouldn't have had to begin with. And we're saying, God, I'm willing to give it up for you. It may or may not have even been sinful, but it may come between us and our God. So we say, God, I'm willing to lay it on the altar before you. So altar is a place of sacrifice. Altar is also a place of commitment. When he came to this altar and when he made this sacrifice this night, he was making a great commitment. Because if you read on that chapter, you find the next day his daddy got kind of mad at him for tearing down his, his, his uh, altars and his images. So he was making a commitment this night that, God, I will serve you. God, I'm going to place my life on this rock, and I'm making a commitment to serve you. I'm making a commitment to live for you, and I'm making a commitment to do what it is that you've called me. Because God was calling Gideon to do something mighty here. So he made a commitment. The third thing we do is repentance. I'm sorry. Repentance. That probably should have been first. But anyway, repentance. We come to the altar of repentance, as Gideon was doing here. Because we all have a time of repentance in our life. Listen, we had the original time when we get saved, but I'm telling you, you're going to have times throughout your life of time of repentance. If we don't, we're probably living... Um, outside and away from our, our God because any time, any time in our life that we have things coming in that, that we can start feeling a separation, we start feeling that tug at our heart, yes, God, I need to go back to that repentant time. So an altar is a place of repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is when we turn. A lot of people think, especially today we live in today, oh my goodness, you see it on the news and everywhere. Somebody gets caught doing something. Oh, I got caught. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and y'all are supposed to just let me keep on going now because y'all found out and I said I was sorry. And we're seeing it in our politicians and we're seeing it in, in our uh, famous people around, you know, actors and uh, athletes and all this kind of stuff too, right? I got caught. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance is when you come on your own, not because you got caught, not because you're about to get in trouble, because you come on your own because you feel sorry, really sorry for what you've done, sorry for your sins, and you come to that place of repentance. That's what a place of the altar's for. And Jesus is that rock that we're supposed to make our altar. That's where we come to repentance. Again, we don't go to a man. I don't have to go to Brother Jerry and say, Brother Jerry, you need to forgive me or ask God to forgive me because I sin. I go to God. I go to the rock. I go to the rock and I say, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry where I strayed. I'm sorry where I failed. And he says, son, I forgive you. Jesus said, I shed blood so that you could be forgiven. And we take it to the rock. And the last thing we do at the altar is we worship. Once we've repented and we've sacrificed, we made a commitment now, we can worship. And a heart full of worship is what God is looking for. I can promise you, you can do all these other things. And when you start worshiping, like we already talked about, that's when the Spirit moves. And that's when you're going to know that you, the, the repentance has been accepted because you can feel it now. You're going to know that your commitment is solid because now you're going to feel it. You're going to know that your sacrifice was accepted because when you begin to worship, you're going to begin to feel it. These other things you may not feel. In fact, sometimes sacrifice and commitment and repentance don't feel very good at all. But when we get to that last one and we begin to worship, we can feel that. And that one feels good, I promise you. I can promise you that one feels good. And this is the same rock, the same altar that we're doing all of these things to. And He's there for us. He's there for our commitment. He's there for our sacrifice. He's there for our repentance and our worship. So what are we sacrificing today to? What are we committing to? Are we sacrificing to this world? Are we committing to all these other things other than God and His house? Listen, we have to live in this life. I, I, don't get me wrong. We have to work. We have to provide. But is our commitment and is our sacrifice more to our job than it is to church? More than our, than our commitment is and our sacrifice that we make to God? Is it to our job, our career? Even our families sometimes, will we put them ahead of God? What are we sacrificing to? What are we committed to? What are we worshiping? It's supposed to be God. It should be God first. He said, when you go to this rock, all these other things, they'll take their place when you put this rock first. When you commit first. How? How can we go about building our life on a rock? How can we go about committing? Psalms 119 tells us, verse 9 through 11, says, How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is how we can build upon the rock. Through his word. He said, taking heed. Seeking him and not wandering from what we read in this word. Not wandering from these commitments. And hiding this word, what does that mean? If I hide this word in my heart, I don't mean I take it and hide the, the Bible down there, right? That means that I study it so much that it's in there. That when I need it, it comes out. So when I get in a, in a, in a place and, I, and something needs to come to me, what comes to me? What's going to, come to your, what's going to come out of your mouth is what's hidden in your heart. So if this word is hidden in my heart and I come upon a situation or I come in these storms of life, the first thing then that's going to come out is going to be the word, right? If that's what's hidden in my heart. Yeah. 
So if I do that, I'm building my house. I'm building my life upon the rock. I now have that commitment because I have spent time in this word. What is commitment? What's it about? I'm reading this book about a Navy SEAL. And he talks about his SEAL training. And in SEAL training, they're very tough on them. <laughs> very tough. And he said, he said, later on, what I come to understand was that the reason, he said, they take you to, to your limits and then way beyond. But the reason why is that in battle, you got to know that the one beside you will not run. The one beside you has been tested beyond his limits just like you have. And that when it comes time that you need somebody to stand by you, you know that he'll be there. That those uh, men that are on that team have all been through the same training. They've all passed the same test. And they've all made a commitment that they won't quit and they won't run. We go through testing lives for that same reason. God is looking for people that are so committed. We can depend on each other. He can depend on us. We can depend on our brothers and sisters because I know that I've got brothers and sisters here who are committed just like I am, who won't quit and who won't run in battle. This man said that at SEAL training, they had a bail. It was kind of up on a hill, he said, away from the beach. And that when they went through training, that when it came time that somebody was giving up and quitting, they would go over there and ring that bell. They made them do that. That let all the others know somebody has quit. And he had went in, him and a buddy of his, and they were determined they were going to make it. And he said probably his worst day of SEAL training was the day he heard the bell. Oh, and when they rung the bell, they had to take their helmet and lay it there, and it had their names on it. And he said there was a whole line of helmets laid out there. And the day that he heard the bell ring and he had to go and see that it was his friend's helmet sitting there. He said, because the two of us, we were determined we were going to make it. He said this too. He said that once somebody was determined to quit, there was no turning back. He said that the others, they would, somebody would quit and start walking up the hill toward the bell. And some of the others might be calling them, come on, stay. We're going to make it. We can make it. He said they might turn around and come back that day. But if they did, they would go the next day. Because once somebody's mind has been made up to turn back, he said they never would commit. God don't want us to turn back. We cannot have a mind to ever want to turn back. Listen, nothing wrong. We, we fail. I can promise you those guys during all those tests, they fail a lot. They fell in what he talked about, bruises and cuts and all that. He said, I, I got so much that you don't, even, you don't even acknowledge them anymore. Your body's hurting so bad, you just quit acknowledging. I'm not going to tell you we're not going to be like that in this life. You're going to be bruised. You're going to be cut from, from going through the battle and going through all the tests. But as long as you've got a mind made up that you're never, ever, ever going to quit, that you've built upon this rock we're talking about tonight, that it's impossible for you to lose and you'll never, never quit. That's what commitment is. I was getting my hair cut the day, uh, yesterday, the day before, and the girl, I don't know what come up, she started talking about marriage and people divorce and all that. She said, they might as well just take out that part about till death do we, do we part because she said nobody even believes that anymore. And that's true. 
It seems like the world we live in today, there's no commitment. I think too many fail to begin and start out with their lives built upon that rock. And that's why we have a lack of commitment if we don't build upon the rock. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25 says, As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. The whirlwind, that's a storm, ain't it? When the storm passes, the wicked will be destroyed. They'll be no more. But a righteous man, just as Jesus told us in the first scripture we first read, he was built on an everlasting foundation. If we build our life upon the rock, if we're committed, excuse me, Acts chapter 4, verse 11, he said, This is the stone which has set it naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I can tell you that tonight is a fact. There is no other name, there's no other way to be saved except through the name of Jesus Christ. And if you believe or you think there's any other way, I can tell you there's no other way. There's people out here today, even so-called preachers, you see them on TV and all now that are beginning to say, well, I believe this, but you know, you don't have to believe exactly like I do. That's a false prophet. That's a false teacher. Because Jesus said, if you say there's any other way than me, that you're a liar, you're false. Because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There's no man coming to the Father but by me. There's no other way. Now, now I know these, we got these, I guess, feel good. The Bible calls it teachers for itching ears, right? They're going to teach you something soft to make you feel good. They can say, well, you just live any way you want to. And there's lots of ways to God and lots of ways to heaven. But that's a lie straight from Satan. There's one way. You know what? It's coming today, I believe, and it already is to a certain point, but it may get even to legal matters that we're going to be called hate speech for saying that. I already hear it. But it's the truth. And I can promise you there's no other way. For that is the rock. That is the truth that Jesus told Peter upon this rock. Peter also said this right here, this scripture I just read, that Jesus Christ was the cornerstone and that by His name is the only way for salvation. Musicians, y'all come on up. I'm getting ready to close. <clears throat> when I talked earlier about the storms of life, I told you that for sure they will come. It's a fact they will come in your life. Everybody's going to face them. And then I talked about what are you sacrificing to and what are you seeking after. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. If we build upon the rock, if we dedicate and commit our life to Him first, He said all of these other things. Everything you need and a lot of things you want. Not everything, but some of your wants. But everything you have need of, if you build on Him first, he said, these things will be taken care of. 
I believe God's calling us to, to a rededication, to a recommitment, to build our lives. Make sure, where's my foundation? Have I been seeking other things other than Him? Have I been seeking other things other than the rock? Have I been trying to build my life everywhere and God's just a little piece and a little part over here? Maybe there's one here tonight. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Maybe you've never established your life upon a rock. Maybe you'd want to come tonight and pray and give your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe all of us say, I need to firm up my foundation. I want to open the altar tonight. And we just, any of us, all that wants to come and pray. And just, if nothing else, a recommitment. Maybe a little time of worship before the, on the altar. And remembering who the rock is. Remembering who my foundation is. There's a scripture that tells us that we can build upon a good foundation, but if we build bad things, he said in the end it may be burnt, but he said you would be saved, but none of your works. Now that would be a sad time too. I may be wrong about this, but I believe that there's going to be a time in heaven where we're going to come, and the Bible says there's going to be crowns and there's going to be rewards, but I believe there's going to be people that barely make it that may not have any rewards. I've heard people say, what does it matter if I do anything? It don't matter as long as I'm saved what I have to have rewards for. But let me tell you what rewards are for. The Bible tells us this. The rewards are, now picture this. This is Wayne's, Wayne's uh, interpretation here. And in, in heaven, we can't comprehend it. So I'm just going to tell you the way I see it. We're going to line up for tens of thousands of years and all of the rewards, we're going to take our turn in front of Jesus take our crowns and lay them back before his feet and say thank you for what you did for me you know what I can't imagine and I believe this is going to be a time of tears because the Bible says some people say no tears but there will be tears because he says he's going to wipe away tears so they had to be there to be wiped away right I don't know what they'll be but I'm thinking this may be one of the times we may have a tear that needs to be wiped away is if it comes our turn and we have nothing nothing to give back because I did nothing I made it I built on a rock but then I didn't build anything on it I started to read that scripture and I didn't put it in there I read it but I didn't bring it with me but I read it today it said some people will build with gold and silver and great jewels and said some people will build with wood hay and stubble and it will be burnt but you will you will be saved I don't I want to have my works built upon a rock that I will have something in the end, not just salvation, not just barely make it, but I want to have something to give back to Him. I want to ask you tonight if you want to come. Do you want to rededicate, recommit? These altars are open, y'all.